My initial thought is Mr. David Metcalf and how he always posts photographs of when he goes into the grocery store. Like he'll go to Kroger and he'll see the magazines and it will be like a knitting magazine, a men's health magazine, and then like the farmer's almanac, which is full of astrology. And then, you know, like a history channel, ancient aliens magazine. And so there's this really curious sensation that the occult is subtly fed to us. And I believe that, again, maybe this is another reason why I seek the paranormal or seek magic, practice magic. You, you, you sense those things. You, you see those things. You recognize them. You see the symbolism. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love going to TJ Maxx and finding some discount Oracle cards. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, you know, is it good that everybody has access, but then they're afraid of it and they're judgmental, but then they're playful to put up all these like tarot card fortune teller things for Halloween. And then they put it away because they have to go to church. I think it's confusing. In some ways I do. I I do wonder if there's like some sort of trickster energy manipulating what's on the market because it's really weird to like go into the grocery store and be able to find witchcraft after you're done in the produce section. But at the same time, for people that are like, oh, cool, I know how to use that. Like, I think it's pleasant. (laughs) I'm like, nice. Like, I could actually like cut this up and put it in my journal or, you know, this astrology is helpful. I need to know when the moon is full next month. I I do wonder, there's such a treat in studying this and knowing that there's something profound happening just from your encounter with it. So I wonder how it impacts people that don't have that same opinion. I'm Jason Andrews. This is Paranormal Patio. Welcome to Hair Raising Horror Week. <laughs> So in terms of the occult in pop culture and the in this idea of a culture, I think it's really fascinating because when you look at the research of all of this stuff, and man, I, I guess let me take us all back to James Shelby Downard, right? This idea that, you know, in the 1970s, this, this figure emerged who was the arch conspiracy theorist, you know, that he's driving across the country in a fucking, he's pulling an Airstream behind him, an RV, and he's in a suit, and, and he's this old guy, he looks distinguished, he's got a 45 on his hip, and he's traveling across America, and he's discovering this sort of hidden mystical toponymy, this this topography of the occult that exists on the surface of of the history of America. So he's traveling across the 33rd parallel, which ties into Freemasons, right? And uh, JFK was assassinated in in Dealey Plaza in Dallas. The Trinity bombs were set off. And this guy has this sort of uh, atomic cowboy uh, mythos surrounding him. All of this, this idea of this figure and him discovering this underlying occult history of America 
and publishing these books and these articles like King Kill 33, you know, this is at a time that there were publications like Feral House and, uh, that existed that were putting out books on all sorts of occult things. Uh, Apocalypse Culture 1 and 2. And, you know, it's Adam Parfrey uh, was the publisher. A very controversial figure, very fascinating figure. In the 1980s, people were consuming this, right? Especially the sub subculture movement, especially UFO kids, especially people that were into fringe things, right? The, the exact people that are going to form the foundation of the X-Files, of all of the... Because, I mean, we all just accept that fucking UFO TV shows and ghost TV shows and... Expedition X and all these different things that exist now, right? There's so many of these shows on the History Channel, the Travel Channel, you know, all, all of all of the cha- Discovery Plus, right? There's so many shows about these things. You got Josh Gates running around with his ten TV shows, and it's popular. You know, people love it. And for a lot of us, I think these are stories that we're familiar with, right? In these communities, and they're bringing them to a, a wider audience. But we just accept that that they've all it's always been that way. But really, in the nineteen eighties, right? I don't think that this this sort of idea of UFOs and monsters and reality and the occult and magic existed for the mainstream masses, right? I mean, people just didn't know about it. I mean, there's horror movies and there were all these little conventions and things, but. It was like when the X-Files came out, right? And then it just exploded. So you've got James Shelby Downer that's that's being pushed in all these books, the story of this occult history of America. And eventually I think it seeps into the the culture, right? That, that That's eventually going to be popular, right? We don't even know at the time that any of it's suspect, right? And And, and that's the reason I'm bringing this up is that the X-Files and other things that were derivative of that helped what we would consider to be fringe a culture to become mainstream a culture. And it's just extended beyond that, right, into to where we are now. But a lot of the stories and, and, and some of the things that are at the heart of that have involved, you know, like with the James Shelby Downer stuff, right? fucking nazis right you know i mean it's 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 what happened was they popularized esoteric nazism and then cloaked it in other names and other things you know we didn't even realize these guys were were doing all this we didn't realize that adam parfrey who's publishing all these books that's really laying the foundation for the way that we looked at the occult in america i mean that was the main that was one of the main publishers of occult books that guy was getting on stage with people dressed as Nazis, right? Doing the Sig Heil and, you know, the 88 uh, events in L.A. But it's still, I mean, I don't know, man. It's just, it's it's one of those, it's just one of those strange things how the occult sort of proliferated into the popular consciousness now. I just, I, I do think that it's, with the research that we've been doing, with everything that we've been looking at, I think that, and especially if you look at, um, you know, Hookland, right, on Twitter, 
this idea that you need to ask questions about where some of this stuff comes from. Because, I mean, the occult is extremely fucking popular. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The occult is one of the most popular things in culture right now, I think. I mean, look at how popular Hellier has been. Look at TikTok is witch talk, right? All the witches in the world are on TikTok now. And 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 then look at how many fucking TV shows. Like the most popular TV shows. You know, the, the proliferation of TV shows that, that, that are coming back year after year are... UFO shows, it's fucking Ancient Aliens, right? How many seasons? 28 seasons of Ancient Aliens, right? You know, the History Channel is Ancient Aliens. Why is it that that, that has become so popular? But I'm again, so it's like what we were talking about. It's the reemergence of those archetypes, right? It's the fact that we've attempted to suppress those archetypes, the occulted archetypes, our mythological selves, right? The signs and symbologies that that are really fundamental to who we are and who we are as a stable entity, right? Because I think the denying of the occult, right, the denying of these, and I say occult when when I'm referring to like signs and symbols and ciphers and reality, you know, that other reality. I don't, you know, it's such, it's so hard to define. It. You know, we're talking about UFOs and ghosts and you know, Bigfoot cryptids and all those things. But it, it's crazy that it, it has become so popular. But I just think that what we're finding now is that a lot of the the stories that we accepted, right, at face value were not what they seemed. And it's the unraveling of those stories that are allowing us to discover more truths, Right. Because, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, even when I think about um, this isn't so much the occult, but when you look back at Behold a Pale Horse and some of these fundamental books on conspiracy or fundamental books on magic. I mean, look at the Garnerian stuff. Right. Or, or we're looking at Lady Sheba publishing the Wiccan books. You know, where did Wiccan come from? Is it based on the child ballots? Why did Gardner change the things he did? Was Crowley involved in the the reconfiguration of these things? Are the stories about Crowley true? How much of that shit is sensationalized? I don't know, man. It's 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 I think for years the occult and and popular culture was fringe. But no one questioned the narratives. They wanted to believe. Everybody was fucking Fox Mulder. Everybody was. Everybody wanted to believe. So we didn't question any any of these stories. And now we've sort of hit this like weird a culture singularity. And we've got to question all of these things because when we really look at them closer, they're not really true in the way we thought but weirder in a way when we unravel them. I think that is true. I think that they've sensationalized a lot of things. And I think that, you know, it's kind of fun sometimes. There are times where I'm in the Starbucks line and like the group of teenage girls in front of me is whispering and is kind of scared. And I can just be kind of be like, (laughs) and then, you know, they scream and that's awesome. (laughs) So um, I don't mind people being afraid. I like people being afraid of me. (laughs) 
I confess to being sometimes out of date and my references may not work the best. One of the best depictions of occult practices, now this is just my opinion for what it's worth, but is the 90s movie, The Craft. And that to me really showed, you know, the potential dangers. As far as a positive, I don't have one that springs to mind recently, but I really loved the series Millennium, where now his great now his name escapes me, but he was a he's a veteran character actor who played Frank Black, FBI criminal profiler, was retired, and has paranormal encounters and has occult encounters. I liked the way that that was handled in that show. That would be that would be the best answer I can really give you. I think the media has definitely helped perpetuate the negativity associated with that. I don't think there's an issue at all. I think everything has its good and bad sides and I think media is a little ridiculous and I think it has shaped the way we look at this in a bad way. And I don't think that's true necessarily. I'm not a big fan of the media and uh, how they're presenting any of the fringe. You know, we we have a big problem in the paranormal with paranormal celebrities, you know, <laughs> how they present a lot of the stuff. And it's unfortunate because they've got the largest platform and they they keep us kind of laughed at, you know, let's, let's be honest. I mean, they they, they destroy the credibility. You know, as far as the occult goes, you know, I've got people that, you know, I, I've been not burned at the stake, but burned at the stake metaphorically over and over again because I'm a witch and because I'm a witch in America that's predominantly Christian. And it's just because they simply don't understand it, you know, because it is kind of put into this bad view, you know, and that's not it's it's wrong. I mean, it's religious and spiritual persecution. And, and I hope that we really start getting and getting away from that. And I think we are. Um, you know, again, I, I do think that we are getting away from that. I'm fortunate enough. I live in a very progressive town with a lot of progressive people. I don't have to worry about, you know, people burning down my home or just harassing me or anything like that. But there are still parts in just in America, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but there are still parts in America that do do that. If I just travel 45 minutes away from my home, I, <laughs> I'm in trouble. We've gone to places before, really small towns. When you investigate and you do this stuff, you, you visit a lot of small towns, gone to small towns where we are fearful of what might happen. We haven't had an incident. And maybe that's just because we know that these things exist. But, you know, you always you always kind of think about it. The media portrayal of what the occult looks like drives that, you know, whether they think that they're responsible for doing so or not. I mean, they absolutely are. Culture is what makes up our culture. Media is what makes up our culture. You know, I think it's time to kind of put the old trope down, you know, to put the old uh, witch with the big wart and the green face down and, uh, you know, bring on the new era and show people what it actually is. I think that the occult and paranormal things and all that, the way that big budget Hollywood would have you believe it is that witchcraft is real and evil and it will put you in a cage and your soul will be taken away and maybe a goat will come and you can live deliciously but that's how it feels like it's portrayed you know any movie with a ouija board is never portrayed 
in a positive light whatsoever. You've got all of this, you know, big budget Hollywood blockbusters. You've got, you know, your conjuring films. You've got uh, even insidious things, all of the things in that universe, which is it's it's my favorite cinematic universe. Sure. But it's entertainment. It's I like the aspects of it. It's pro wrestling, but paranormal. It's I know that it's it's not real. It's being acted out. A lot of that could be damaging, but I do think a lot of it could be inspiring as well. Because even even your your shows like your your ghost hunters and ghost adventures, things like that, where you've got these guys who who have a big budget for production. Even if it's you're looking at that and saying, well, why are these guys in here taunting? Why are they doing it that way? If that inspires someone to go out and look at things and say, well, that's this isn't so bad. If like I, I don't think that doing buying a tarot deck, the one that I identify with and and thinking about it and, and doing this for myself, I don't really feel like this is harmful. I feel like this helps me on a day to day. If that's what it, it inspires, then the better for it. If you see these things and you think, well, that's scary. I'm going to stay away from that. That's terrifying. And then you you see any of your friends talking about it and they're scared of it. You push them away from it. I think that's negative. I think that's that is harmful and it doesn't progress the field or the study anymore. But if you've got, you know, a bunch of kids who sit down and they watch Hellier and they discover the Estes method and they start implementing that into their any sort of investigation, whether they're doing a paranormal or they're doing just their own sort of attempted divination, even if it's not with a ghost, they're trying to connect with even just whatever spirit, divine, whatever label you want to put on it that they want to contact. Even I've I've heard of attempted UFO, UAP contacts, using the spirit box, using the Estes method. If you have all these dozens of people saying, oh my gosh, that's a new tool to add to my arsenal. I think things like that are positive. Things that are portrayed in a positive light, much like the New Kirks, where it is their, you know, it's it's their production. They're putting it out there. And I don't, I, obviously I feel like there's, there's always going to be something edited, you know, for consumption. It's, it's nothing is ever, you know, exactly as it seems. I go right to movies because that's like where my mind lives a lot. And I think there's a lot of really fun magic portrayals. Like there's a lot of really like in the witch shows specifically, like I liked this one, Witches of East End or even like Charmed or anything like that, where you get to see magic happening, like as you wish magic could happen. And so I think that that is like really, that's just like, I just think that's fun. And I think that fun is like a huge important part of magic. So if you can keep that like lighthearted spirit about it um, alive, that's really like nice. But I think as far as like real magic is concerned, 
I mean, obviously, Hell Year is really important in pop culture because it's like actual real people doing real magic. But as far as like movies go, I think that A Dark Song is probably one of the best real portrayals of magic um, going on. And there was actually one I watched on Netflix. Oh, Incantation, I thought was another one that had a lot of really cool, real magic that just came out, actually. Found footage style. And it takes place, I believe, in China or Tibet. And so it's a different, like, form of magic than we're used to seeing. It's not like a person in the U.S. or even England doing magic, but very, very cool. Very scary, that one, actually. (laughs) strap it but that one had a lot of real magic portrayal like I mean there's a lot of movies too like the whaling did a lot of real magic which I thought was really cool I could go much more niche um, (laughs) but there's a lot of Indonesian movies that portray a lot of really cool magic they have like a whole different type of like witch happening in Indonesia that I really like the Lethak and there's a few movies that portray that that I love (laughs) But that's very niche. <laughs> yeah, when I when I built my house here in Utah a few years ago, poltergeist always crossed my mind when things started going wrong. And we have now we have a pit in our backyard that fills with water every time it rains. And I just imagine that I'm going to find some skeletons popping up out in the water every day when it does that. I I love the movie Poltergeist. the The Shining will always be my favorite film. With horror, I horror and paranormal things in pop culture, it's always been a part of my life. And I just, I, I'm here for it and I love it. My favorite show is Charmed. The original show, Charmed, with Prue and Piper and and, and Phoebe and Paige. I should say Paige, too. I, I, you know, I was so obsessed with the show. There was actually a pagan event where I talked about the magic the magic of the charmed universe and how we can tie it into some of the things that we do this universe. There was a lot about that show that I absolutely loved. And I'm sure that, you know, a lot of people looking at the show now would be like, this is very problematic for many reasons. And it is, but I, I really loved the the sisterhood, the camaraderie, the fact that these were really empowered women that just, you know, really came into a space of understanding how capable they were of creating magic and building their lives around helping others. I think that if you're looking for a good portrayal of Fringe in the media, your best course of action is to turn to people like, it's going to sound strange, but Carl Sagan. You know, he he was a very intelligent man, very strong figurehead in in physics and astrophysics and astronomy. You know, he believed in the concept that, you know, we don't know anything. And he's correct. (laughs) You know, know, there's a a great quote. It's not by Sagan. I can't remember who it is at the moment, um, but it's, uh, you know, by by a physicist. You, you know, say that you understand quantum mechanics and you really don't understand quantum mechanics because we just are learning so much stuff every day. I mean, as far as the occult goes, though, I don't feel like there are good portrayals yet, and maybe that needs to change. Um, you know, maybe we need people to pioneer that. There's plenty of good indie resources, but not any big, large cultural influences on everyday people. My show, for instance, my podcast, I tell people this all the time. 
I host a podcast and all this weird fucked up shit, right? And, you know, I tell people it's not for you. It's it's not for the paranormal. It's not for people that are already in these topics. It's for people that aren't because we need to get those people involved. And a lot of us are standing way too close to the subjects to understand that we are such a small, small community. Everybody knows everybody. It's tiny. And, you know, so our, our next goal in this needs to be branching outwards and recruiting people. Now we're a cult. We're a cult now. That's what it is. We need to recruit more members to our weird cult. And, you know, we need to start making this stuff spread. So we do need good media out there. You know, we need to get rid of like the shit shows like Finding Bigfoot and, you know, whether or not I never actually found them yet. And it's been like 12 seasons or whatever. I mean, we need to get rid of these things that aren't really showing what it is that we're actually doing. And I think that that needs to be the big push, but we're not going to do that because the executives behind stuff like that are regular everyday people that aren't even interested in these topics to begin with. So we need to integrate the normies into what it is we're doing and why we're doing it. We just, you know, have them take us seriously. And we all need to work together. We all need to get on the same page, which is another issue that I won't get into, but we all need to get on the same page in our community in order to start bringing people into it and show them what it is we're actually doing. That's an interesting question. I am not really concerned that those who have no interest are going to be, you know, involuntarily made part of a working or something. I don't really think that's going to happen. And unfortunately, there is a second satanic panic going on right now. And people are seeing, you know, evil symbols in the My Little Ponies. And things like that, and freaking out over them. I try to walk a balance there where you want to acknowledge that this stuff exists and enter and engage with it to your comfort level, but you don't want to go off on a tangent, you know, screaming they're they're everywhere. You know, I, I try to to walk the middle path there. In my experience. And just where I am, I'm getting to in my research, so far the common theme has been that whatever is happening, it's personal. <laughs> it's personal to every single person that experiences whatever experience they're having. If you were to take a ritual and you were to televise it to the rest of the world, I don't personally believe that that would affect the, view- the viewers at home. Aside from maybe inducing that viewer's own personal experience, which I believe they're just meant to have anyway. So whether or not you induce it early or they're just going to go about their regular life, not knowing any of the stuff exists and then bam, have their own experience. That's really on them. I mean, that's not, you know, if you're not doing anything bad by presenting these ideas, as a matter of fact, I feel like that would be a really good way to help people grow. A lot of people disagree with that. A lot of my colleagues disagree with that. There is some issues with consent. It's kind of like, (laughs) ooh, it's going to get spicy, but it's kind of like in the kink community. 
you know, say you have a kink and one of your, your, your partner's kinks is to walk them around on a leash. So if you take them out in public and you're walking them around on a leash, you're subjecting them to public humiliation. But that's unethical because the rest of the people that are witnessing you play out a kink did not consent to it. That's kind of the same thing. So that's a weird one. Uh, that That's a weird area just because there are so many unknowns. And then it is also up to the personal viewer how they feel about it. Maybe they didn't sit down to watch the spooky show to watch, you know, to uh, partake in a ritual. You know, then you're kind of messing with the ideas of just basic consent and whether or not that's ethical. You know, but again, for me personally, I don't think it would be a bad idea. I think that we should be introducing more people to this stuff. And, you know, granted, I think that if people are closed off to it, they're going to remain closed off to it. And that's the way it is. You know, but I think that, if, again, if they're meant to have these experiences, they're going to have them, whether you intervene or not. As far as people being in danger of the occult and demonic possession when they don't necessarily believe in it, I don't think they have an issue. I've talked about this before in the past. And myself, as I'm not a religious person, I've yet to be possessed by the devil. And I I find that when we're not afraid of something happening to us, it doesn't tend to happen to us, if you know what I mean. I think that we cause a lot of these issues ourselves by the mind is a, is a tricky thing. And I just find it interesting that super religious people get possessed all the time and i and i don't i'm still waiting no i don't want to get possessed let me knock on some shit this is an excellent question i have no idea because incantation is actually a movie that has me asking that question because they very much set the movie up as a spell itself and it got me wondering if it is gonna do something like i think people have to believe you know for that kind of like egregore power to happen i would think but i am of no like i do not know that for sure i would hope i would think that we would have to put extra time and like extra thought and belief behind something to like really make it kind of pop up but is it just enough people's eyes on something and that's all it needs like i don't know (laughs) but i think that question was raised with the exorcist a long time ago right like when the exorcist came out there was all those deaths surrounding the exorcist and i think that kind of got a lot of people wondering like did this movie kind of conjure pazuzu or whatever (laughs) i think that when people look at things that are presenting themselves as something in the occult realm, I'll use the band ghost for instance, you, you look at them and you would think, Oh, this must be some crazy heavy metal. And it's and you listen to it and it's not, they do have, you know, their occult and, 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 you know, quote unquote satanic themes to their lyrics. But I don't think that is ultimately harmful. I think what could be harmful is people presenting that the the fact that, listen, here's the idea and I will explain it to you. And you have people who are acting as teachers or educators of occult practices and things like that. And then they veer from the topic and they start putting in their own harmful narratives with it. 
you know, whether it's racism, sexism, xenophobia, you know, name anything. And there's somebody on Twitter who is spouting that off. There's somebody on YouTube who is espousing some hurtful narrative under the guise of magical thinking. You know, I think that is more harmful rather than even just children cosplaying and, and watching music videos on on YouTube or I would have said MTV, but they don't do that anymore. Uh, I think it's more harmful to have these people who pervert and twist a specific message into something harmful. And honestly, that goes for literally anything in the world but i uh, that is something i have seen in the uh, the magical and occult arena for sure I definitely think that tech companies and, you know, mega companies are using magical, well, I wouldn't say magical practices, but definitely the principles that underline magical systems. You know, when we look at mass marketing and tactics for, oh, uh, what's it, what's the, God, I can't think of the guy's name. He put out a book on advertising and it uses some very old tricks Right. And those tricks, some of those tricks are magic. Right. And so I think I think that definitely tech companies are using. Well, I mean, if you think of magic in terms of second order cybernetics, if you think of magic in in terms of feedback loops, right, then social media companies are absolutely using those principles. Right. They're they're in a sense trapping you. In, in your own spell they're 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 trapping you in your own feedback loops you're experiencing synchronicities and little moments of like oh my god i can't believe that popped up on my screen at the same time that i was thinking about it right oh my god like you know this magical little thing happened but it's actually being engineered from information that you're freely supplying to them. They're creating all of these little magical moments that are causing you to find a personal connection to these products, right? They're, they're causing you to see yourself in a new way, but it's just a feedback loop and you're providing them with all of the information, all of the actual uh, little herbs and, the little the little things they need to burn in their their little <laughs> sensor you know sensors uh, to cast that spell right I mean you're defining the circle in which this is all happening and the ritual that's being carried out is is a circle that you've defined for them and you're staying inside of it and you're happy to stay inside of it I've never thought of it. <laughs> I think that humans are wired to hunt and gather, so we enjoy the process of collecting things for our survival, but we've certainly been influenced to think that we need a lot of things that we don't for our survival, and, and to the detriment of our planet. 
That's a really great question. And I, I, I have to think about it. And now I'm scared because like, I love shopping at TJ Maxx on the weekends. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is it like an occult overlord or can I just like find some really good, like discount joggers? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just in middle management. So I really have no idea what it's like to be in the upper, the upper tiers of corporations. But on my level, I just don't, I look around at the wonderful people I work with, but don't think that they would know how to put occultism into their spreadsheets. It's something when I have an extra hour or two, I am going to attempt at. <laughs> I'm kidding. I hope HR doesn't call. <laughs> um, Geesh. Um, I'm sure that there are going to be people that give you wonderful answers about how they do believe there's an influence. One of the things I think about, too, is I've heard people talk about sort of like the the occultism and the symbolism and even like the Starbucks logo. I wonder if they're doing it with intention or if, again, it's kind of just like just subliminally in their heads. I, there, it can't be. It can't be. There's a lot of trickster energy out there, isn't there? Jeez. From the very beginning, you asked me what I thought magic was. And I said, using the will to change reality. There is, if you go by the most broad definition, rituals and, you know, sigils and drawing things and standing in them and lighting candles and things like that. But the most broad general idea of what is magic. There is no sharp line between magic and marketing. Marketing is magic. Marketing makes you want stuff that you really have no, it creates a desire you didn't have that's now a very real desire. It makes you buy a name brand over a store brand that's exactly the same thing in a different package. Marketing is incredibly powerful and it is in the shadows. You might say it's a cult. It's obviously not secret, but rarely do people take apart how marketing works. I am absolutely fascinated by marketing. I'm fascinated by commercials. I don't believe they do magical rituals, but I do believe they use images and the repetition of those images to elicit a certain result. And that is doing magic. And yes, I believe all the major corporations, if they pay for an advertising department, they are essentially doing a form of magic. Yes, I believe that. I I don't I can't say for sure. I don't own a big corporation, so I can't say for sure if corporations do these things. I don't know if they are purposefully, you know, driving costs with magic. I don't know if they hold any authoritative anything about it. What I do know though is marketing. And I know that within marketing, there is a, here we go, there's a set science that you can follow that can get people interested in your product. And there is a science to a lot of the imagery and things that that um, corporations use. When you go into school for marketing, I mean, you're talking, you know, just as much as any degree. I mean, you're talking, there's a master's. <laughs> you can get a PhD in marketing. And there's a reason for it because, again, there is a science and we kind of understand that science better 
you know, once we kind of learned how the brain worked and how the brain associated things, if corporations are using magic to to sell us things, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and actually, that would be quite interesting to me because that means that they have unlocked a, a new magic. And I think that, again, two things can be true at once here. And I think that, um, you know, that's kind of a magic in and of itself. But I don't know if they're actually doing it with the intent of saying, you know, we're sitting around in, in a circle <laughs> together going, hey, we're going to conjure up sales today. I just think that they've unlocked the magical part or the scientific part to that magic and they're utilizing it. And uh, I mean, hey, good for them. I don't know for sure that I could envision a boardroom of middle-aged old white men in suits practicing for me magical rituals just the generic thing pops into my head robes and candles but also at the same time i can absolutely (laughs) see that 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 could be absolutely a thing i think that i i think that the possibility of magical thinking you know, the intent is there. I don't necessarily know that Elon Musk is, you know, uh, has sold his soul to anyone for for power, except for that hairline, maybe. But that's another story. I I don't know that they are. But the more that I I hear and dig in and delve into things and finding out how corrupt really everyone is at the top levels of everything. It, it takes me back to, to season one of the Penny Royal podcast with Pamela and she telling of the occult rituals that, you know, she had allegedly experienced and some of the people involved were higher ups in the town and and things like that so it's it's a thing that i don't think about but as i do think about it i absolutely could see it happening i definitely i feel like they have to have big corporates got their hands on on ouija boards for sure because everyone knows that only the parker brothers ouija board will certainly 100 percent give you contact with the oracle and not a homemade one only this, that's the only way. I think at one point in time, there may have been a conscious effort used by corporations of a magical element, but I'm not, I think now like branding is so like the, just like the thing it's like marketing. I don't think that, I think that we do it and it is like, you know, or the symbols are sigils and things like that. And then there are magical practices behind it, but I'm not sure that it is a conscious effort to be magical on their part anymore. Um, but maybe I'm not sure, but definitely a lot of branding and marketing is rooted in magic. I think that corporations could very possibly be using symbols of the occult and things like that to make us more hungry for a Whopper at Burger King or a Big Mac. I think it's all like subliminal messaging. If that's what you want to, if in your mind it's the occult, then sure. I think that's possible. Um, And now I'm getting hungry again, just thinking about it. But I went to school for advertising and graphic design and 
I am more on that side of things being placed in in certain areas to make you buy shit. I think there's just really good design and good advertising. That as far as magic is concerned, as far as spirituality is concerned, and as far as basic human manipulation is concerned, they can all kind of be classified as the same thing. You know, just as the case with the with with uh, you know corporate corporations using these symbols to sell you a product. I, you know, I think that um, governments could as well. You know, they again have unlocked the science to social manipulation. And, you know, if you want to consider that a type of magic, I don't think that that's a terrible idea. And I, I don't, I don't, I can't say it's true and I can't say it's false. I, I like to, to just very much be like, no, no. But then I think about Columbia at the state capitol and I think about the, the system, or like the obelisk, like the obelisk, like the ones that are in you know, Karnak also happened to be with this reflection pool. So it's as above, so below. Again, I I, I wonder too, you're also, I, I love this interview because I'm like, I just need to take like a crash course in symbolism because you know, I feel I'm like, there's symbols everywhere. I, I, I mean, it's so fascinating in one way where I'm like, I need to go down this rabbit hole, but then I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever get out of this rabbit hole. So we have to be, conscientious enough to kind of go, I don't want to be swallowed alive by the symbols that could go into really uncomfortable territory and maybe chaotic territory. And again, that's, there could be a lot of trickster energy. You've really got to have that third eye open and your heart open to that intuition to to guide you and kind of keep you safe and, and, and on course. But I guess going back to the question about the U.S. government, well, (laughs) uh, as a true blue New Englander, I just want to just want to have the best of thoughts about, you know, some of our leaders. But, you know, I see people like, who's the guy from uh, Kentucky? The guy that looks like a turtle. Mitch McConnell. Oh, God. That guy is like a demon like if we're gonna talk about like the government overlords like that guy is a reptilian he's just a little creepy reptile with the worst of intentions he just wants to bring us back to the dark ages and it's gross um (laughs) somebody is like unfollowing all my social media right now but i stand true to that um (laughs) um (laughs) It is hard for me to believe that you can't, uh, you must have to, you are sacrificing something to get to those positions of power. And I think that there's a lot of narcissism and a lot of darkness and a lot of mental illness and a lot of unhealed shame and misplaced hate that end up rising to the top. It's really scary. Does the U.S. government use similar tactics to, um, you know, do they use magical principles to control us? I don't think so, because I don't think 
I think there are pockets of it, right? I don't think as a, a, a that there's an overarching conspiracy that the because, because the government isn't that organized. The halls of uh, legislature and, and commerce uh, simply can't communicate with them with each other, you know, efficiently enough for this to be uh, a large scale conspiracy. However, you know, groups like MAGA and Trump and neoconservatism. But also, I mean, maybe on the left, too. I don't know. I'm just saying I totally believe, definitely during the Bush administration, that neocons were very aware of some of these principles, right? There was actually a philosopher that Condoleezza Rice, a political philosopher, she and um, – oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, most of most of these people that were serving under Bush, Karl Rove, all those guys, right? They all served under a political philosopher that I cannot think of the name of right now, but he was the guy that created neoconservatism, and he believed that a small group of philosophers should rule America. And he actually wrote about doublespeak and writing philosophical treaties that had a second layer of language built into it. And so like when you read his stuff, it sounds very much like magic. And like magical principles, right? Anyway, this ended up being something that, you know, P Putin, if you look at you know, Vladimir Putin today, too, he requires the upper echelon of the government to study esoteric books written by Russian magicians. So, you know, I mean, definitely in Russia, they're using, you know, some of these principles to at least in terms of psychological warfare. But hell, man. Psychological warfare is just mass marketing now. I so, yeah, I don't think the government as a single entity is is doing this. But I do think that there are groups, pocket groups, that have figured out the art of some of this stuff. And they've employed it against the American people. I think if the U.S. government is using magic to accomplish their goals... They're not like doing a very good job, but I, I think that they've gone beyond even like needing to do, to use magic to accomplish their goals. I think they've systemically structured itself so like perfectly that there's no like reason to use magic anymore. The whole structure of our society has the government on top and unchecked, you know, there's like nobody, <laughs> nobody holding them accountable for anything that they do. So I think maybe once in time, I mean, Walter Mercado used to be like, you know, the government's like astrologer and things like that. So I think at one point in time, like, maybe the government was way more interested in magic and astrology. But now I think it's just like they have their money in all these hands and the hands are currently changing. So maybe as people start to like devalue oil and devalue things that people have their money and they maybe go back to like ritual like perspectives. But I don't know. I think money is just they're just sitting on a ton of it and they're just moving it around. <laughs> there I'll go a step further. What I said about um, I don't believe like, for example, Kellogg's has ritual magicians that, you know, <laughs> do spells. I wouldn't say the same thing about the CIA. Uh, they've investigated and put so much time, money, effort into studying really occult subjects 
that I think an incredible waste if they didn't use what you might call magical warfare. The British did it in World War II. They employed Aleister Crowley. When I say the CIA, I'm, I don't mean just the CIA. I mean the CIA, all, a number of different agencies, a number of military agencies. Michael Aquino was well, well known as being a practicing occultist. And it obviously killed his career. Uh, no, wait, it, it, he was a colonel. Uh, he was just fine. It was no, and he worked in psyops. So you tell me. I mean, they obviously knew what he did in his spare time. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't just his spare time. The government, our government is waist deep in this stuff. And it has been for decades. The Russians are the same way. They, even when they were communist, the Soviet Union would periodically round up cunning folk, which is, I can't quote which Russian government official it was who said that we're smarter because we never burned our witches. Haha. <laughs> it's a very proactive, but he did say that. And the Soviets would study people like that. And they were officially atheists, but they didn't care as long as it worked. So I have really very little, and I won't even get into the Chinese, who I'm sure do stuff like that too. I'm sure that every major world power is employing magic and literal occult rituals for magical warfare. Now that's my opinion, I can't prove it, but you're never gonna prove something like that. I stated on a previous episode that I genuinely believe that them, they, the government, Big Brother, whoever you want to call them, I don't think that any one person on this planet really knows what's going on. So therefore, I don't think that there's any type of collective idea to kind of control the masses and and, and control the narrative in that way. Not that these entities haven't been known to do that before in the past with other things because they very much have. But as far as, you know, when we're talking something on a deeper level, when we're talking magic, when we're talking the occult, I don't think that they are specifically using that to hide these big secrets about these strange happenings in our world. Could they be using us using it to sell us Big Macs? Sure. Um, but you know, but are they using it to hide entire races of species that are far, far more intelligent than us? Absolutely not. Just because again, those species are clearly far more intelligent than us if they are capable of getting to us. We're not able to get to them. And I think that if we could, we are a very greedy species and would be using that to make money somehow. <laughs> and we're not. So, you know, obviously we haven't perfected it. To think that we have any control over the information that were shared from these other species, I think would be very egotistical of the human race to, to conjure up. Because, you know, at any point in time, we could be invaded and that's just going to be the way it is. We're not going to have any control over that if whatever species decides they want to. I just think that they view us as some type of insect, you know, the way that we view ants. They're just, they don't impact our lives at all. And if they invade your kitchen, you kill them. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the little, that's, you know, that's how they see us. You know, so to think that, you know, we have some type of control, even, you know, on that scale to where our, our big authorities know what's going on, they don't. Again, 
they know little nuggets of information, but they don't have all of it. And I think that's why we're getting a lot of disclosure talk nowadays is because they are trying to be a little bit more transparent because I think they're fearful of whatever these things might be. For whatever reason, I, I don't know. Just personally, I think that's what's going on. So anyway, um, back to the original <laughs> original point here. Um, no, I, I think that, you know, again, we're just entertainment. We're just um, ants uh, to the rest of the universe. And, and maybe somebody's watching and they're just, you know, kind of getting their rock off, taking part, part in the fact that. We have no clue, you know, but I don't think that any type of government has any type of say in what goes on in that headspace. Isn't that what the trickster energy is about? You know, the trickster is a real pain in the ass, creates a lot of of twists and turns in the journey, but ultimately you mature from the experience. You learn from the experience. If this is a simulated reality, if this is just a Sims, I guess just go along for the ride and follow what your heart tells you is healthy. <laughs> I don't know. When I play Sims, I always go for the tarot reading path personally, and it's worked in this world for me too. I love that idea of the occult just being like hidden in plain sight. That again, you, you know, like it is it is hidden in plain sight. I mean, like we go to Kroger and witchcraft is is available to us, you know, an aisle fifteen. I I just wonder too, like I, I guess that I wonder who is it that knows what they're doing and who is it that's just kind of ignorantly doing it? That's that's the big question. That's the that's the question I ask. I do think it involves the trickster, that there is an intelligence of some sort or the universe, maybe, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that if you think of it in terms, again, take a drink of second order cybernetics, right? If you think about it in terms of feedback loops and all these things, right? There is a level at which there is a grand observer. And there are even levels at which they're just observers that are, have a wider range of view of the system than you do, right? Where you are in the system. If you think of it as spiraling out, I think, I think sometimes they play with us, right? I think sometimes they take advantage of their viewpoint and use it against those that can't see enough of the playing field, right? And it's not meant necessarily to harm always. That sometimes it's meant to teach, but it's always sort of in jest, because if you could see how it all plays out, it's not as, you know, it's not as bad as you think it is. You know, the, the terror, the terror that we experience is in not knowing what comes next, whether it's in life and death and our decisions, you know, to think of things that can see five more steps ahead, right? And and it knows things will be okay, so it messes with us sometimes. So I think I think that's where the trickster and the occult sort of come together in society, in our own lives, you know, in historical events. That that really the trickster is just another observer in the system, even the system itself, seeing that everything's going to be okay, which gives it a little bit of room to um, teach some lessons. Right. That may be good, may be bad, but, uh, you know, aren't always great. Well, I'm glad I have a full four minutes and 35 seconds to answer that one. <laughs> um, 
I don't really buy into a lot of the hiding in plain sight just because I don't think it would be important to the people who really do this stuff to kind of wave at people and say, ha, look what we're doing. I, I just don't see that being a big motivation. I see it. I see that sometimes there are honest coincidences. You know, every picture of the moon doesn't mean something. Sometimes it's just a picture of the moon. As far as the cosmic trickster, yeah, I think that does happen. I think that there are times when just the weird synchronistic nature of the world we live in does produce odd little weird results like that. So that'd be that'd be my take. I think the Catholic Church is the place that's hiding the occult in plain sight. I think the Catholic Church is occult as fuck. <laughs> they wear robes, they chant, they burn incense. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if they're fucking sacrificing people out here, y'all. Like, the, the Catholic Church is buck wild and is the most occult thing we have going on in our society, I think. Public publicly occult going on in our society i mean i think that like maga and all that stuff is like a cult in a way like well i mean a cult but also like a cult in a way because of like the manipulation of like the way that they talk to each other and the rep the repetition and all that kind of thing and the branding and just like I think that there's all kinds of evidence of a cult, but I just think that people don't necessarily like, look at it like that. So I think that we're taught to think that the occult is like the things that are like pushed into the fringe, but not necessarily. There's worship all around us all the time, just depends on who you talk to. So there's all kinds of different ways. And like you think about Neil Gaiman's like American gods and how he presented like technology gods and things like that. Like we worship all kinds of different things all the time. Like there's where new gods are being born like every day. So I think there's so much occult in plain sight that I think we're so busy looking for something to be strange that we aren't seeing how strange everything is. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a very good statement. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, how many, how many Catholic churches do you pass by in an average town in a day, you know? And look at the way they look. The stained glass, the sigils everywhere, bodies hanging on crosses, people with wings. Come on. <laughs> like crazy. <laughs> Everybody, I'm not dissing your churches by any means. Having your church be an occult institution is not a diss in any way. It's just an observation. Uh, please worship all the ways you want to worship. I worship all the ways I want to worship. Do your thing. I have no beef with it. I'm just saying it's really magical. Y'all practice a lot of the things that I practice <laughs> in a really public way. <laughs> and I am way more private about it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
make sure you join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash beyondthepatio. You get a bonus episode featuring clips from all of our guests that you can't hear anywhere else. And on Saturday, we're watching Surface, my documentary that I've been working on for over two years. You got to join up to be there. Can't wait to see you.